You're listening to the Brew Time Podcast. I'm Fiona, your marketing mentor for your vegan and sustainable business. Join me today for a virtual brew where I'll be talking about no more recipes, please. Let's have some alternative vegan content. And you're going to come away from this episode today knowing what you need to do to create better content for your vegan business that perhaps will hopefully take you away from using recipes and you'll know when you might want to use recipes in your content marketing. Today's virtual brew is sponsored by The Happy Tea Company. This is a sustainable tea company that grows their products right here in the beautiful Worcestershire countryside where this podcast is recorded. So grab a brew and let's talk all about no more recipes. Hey, so today I'm chatting about um, why I would really love your business, if you are using recipes, why I'd really love your business to maybe press pause on them for a little bit. I want to talk about why recipes might be a good idea and why they might be a bad idea to do for your vegan content. Now, if you are using recipes and you're struggling to come up with alternative ideas for your vegan content, then grab hold of my 30 Days of Vegan Content workbook. It comes with a little quick email course alongside it to help you work through it and it's in the show notes. So why am I saying no more recipes? Well, when you're a vegan business, you might not be a food business, but the chances are you probably are a food business. And the thing that people say online, and by people I mean marketing people, my industry is to blame for this, uh, we say that um, find a problem for your customer and give them the answer to their questions, which is absolutely you must do. That is top solid advice. But when you're a food business, your automatic um, thinking is that the problem you are solving is that someone doesn't know what to make for their tea or their lunch or their breakfast, or they want to um, make some dessert or veganize something. And that's absolutely true. It really is. But the problem with recipes is that if you think about the way you use a recipe, the way when you go and search online for recipes, is is the intent that you have behind that search. So, I don't know, maybe you're looking for a vegan chocolate cheesecake recipe. You go online, you find hundreds and hundreds of vegan chocolate cheesecake recipes. You may click on a couple of the YouTube video links. You may click on a couple of the first links there because they're appearing at the top and chances are you're gonna maybe if you're in the UK listening to this click on BBC Good Food or someone you know. If you're in America I don't know what the American version of BBC Good Food is. I'm sure there's like a standard this is the trusted tried and tested recipe place that have been put through their paces and you'll go to one of those and you'll use that recipe and then you've made the thing and that's it. You might bookmark it the next time. I don't know. Um, you might not. And recipes are... Okay, here's, here's the thing about recipes is that um, they're often used for SEO, to bring people to the site in the first place. And so there's a few issues with this. First of all, the reason people are searching for recipes is because they want to make something, they probably want to make it once, maybe twice, 
and they're not actually looking for what it is you're selling. Even if you're selling recipes, it's really hard to bring someone who's going to your site just for that one thing and build that trust so quickly. And the other side of it is that because they're written for SEO, a recipe generally doesn't have enough word count in it to become SEO. So what people will do is write a whole background story about the recipe and obviously they want to increase the read time and the dwell time on the page. So you'll get like reams and reams of paragraphs that people are having to scroll through before they even get to the thing that they actually want to find. And they're not putting the recipe at the top because people aren't going to scroll, they're going to get the recipe, are they going to read the story behind it? No, they're not. Um, so that's kind of, when you're thinking about creating content for the person who's going to be consuming the content, you're actually, when you're creating recipes, creating half a page of stuff that they don't even need. You're creating that for search and not for the person. And yeah, you want people to find your recipes, so you've got to play the game a little. But you're also not making it easy for the people who are wanting to read the recipe. And the other thing that makes it difficult for the person reading the recipe is that often on the recipe sites, apart from obviously the BBC doesn't have this, is that you'll have a pop-up saying, download my freebie, download 500 recipes that use this ingredient that you're looking for, download this done. And to be honest, the person who's gone to the site, they've gone there for that one recipe. Do they want more recipes? Maybe, I don't know. Um, I'd love to see, I'd love someone to step forward with the conversion rates for this because I just don't really see the behaviour happening that we need it to from creating recipes for content on websites. So if you are that vegan food business, you've kind of got to think beyond eating to understand what problem you can fix for your customer. Now, it might be that they want convenience. It might be that they, I don't know, they, they've got people visiting who are vegan and they, they want something quick and easy you've got to go beyond what your product is and think in terms of your customer maybe two or three steps down the line before they need your product and what is it at that point that you can give them that's not a recipe what can you give them that's something else something that will help them make the connection and build the trust between what it is you're selling the food that you are selling and quite often that's not necessarily done through recipes. Now I'm not saying don't use recipes, they are good for search but there will be a high level of search competition on there unless you're doing something very very specific with very specific ingredients that very few people can get hold of. I don't know, I really don't know. Um, I had a chat with one of my clients whose recipes were performing very well on search, but when we looked at the journey from that recipe through to sale, it was, well, the people who are reading the recipes aren't buying the products, and it's really nice to have it there, but unless you're going to sell something as a result, like Deliciously Ella, for example, she sell, she she's a chef, she's got a restaurant and she built her business up from putting recipes 
on Instagram, driving people to the website. And now she's got an app to help people create recipes and you can download them rather than buying books or you can go and buy the books. Now in that situation, I think that actually having recipes is really good because you can test them and see if they work and it builds up a sense of confidence and trust and the app's like a few quid a month and you can see if that works because it's a low point investment and low point risk and then maybe go buy the cookbook or go visit the restaurant and that actually works and works incredibly well. But if you are, say, selling vegan ice cream or vegan yogurt or you've developed, um, I don't know, um, you've created a vegan snick, snicks, Twix bar, not Snicks bar. I was trying to say Snickers because I saw this amazing recipe last night for a Snickers bar. But I went on looking for plant-based whole food pudding recipes because I do miss my puddings and I'm not having sugar at the moment. Um and I do miss them, and um, yeah, I, it was just, they had this Snickers thing there, and it was just packed full of sugar, I'm like, yeah, of course I can't eat that, so that's why, that's why Snickers was in my mind right then, but let's say you are creating, your product is like childhood um, snacks, childhood junk food uh, from the 80s, and you're creating like veganised versions of them, you could put on recipes of things to do with them. Pip and nut do this quite well. You know, pip and nut would be an ingredient. The peanut butter would be ingredient in the recipe. So you'd need to get the ingredients to build the rest of the recipe rather than selling the recipe itself. But actually, there's loads of other really cool ways you can sell peanut butter other than doing that. And it's about thinking around the idea that there are so many recipes out there, everyone's doing it. Do you want to be the same as everyone else? Do you want to have the same content strategy as everyone else? If you do, fine, go for it. And it might work for you. But actually, if you want to stand out, have a content strategy that's different. If you see everyone doing one thing, my best advice to you is go and do something completely different because that will make you stand out. Now, there is the argument that the reason no one else is doing it is because it doesn't work. But actually, has anyone else tried it? That would be more um, my, my idea. So when you should use recipes is when you're short on ideas, when you've already built up. And actually, I think recipes on places like Instagram and Pinterest work quite well. But you have to be really strategic about it and you have to really think about why someone is looking for this recipe and what is another related problem that you could help them with. What is another thing that once you get them to your Instagram page, could you give them to bring them to your website in a different way? How can you get them onto your list? How can you sell them your product in a completely different way other than recipes? Um, I feel like I mentioned Wicked Kitchen most weeks, but I did a blog about this actually. Uh, Derek Sarno did a video cooking a lion's mane mushroom and he gave all the ingredients and I'm looking at it going, oh man, that looks amazing, but I'm never really going to cook this because I don't really do that kind of cooking, but I love watching it. It's beautiful to watch and I like buying the Wicked Kitchen stuff, so I'll watch this because it's I just like the rest of the food development. 
Um, but then he put on a link to where he grows his mushrooms, like these mushroom growing kits. And I'm like, oh, actually, that actually looks interesting. I mean, I probably can't kill a mushroom. I mean, I give it a good go. I've done off with some cacti over the years. But, you know, to me, a mushroom growing kit sounds like it'd be quite straightforward and interesting. And so that for that company, they got a really quick sale off of me because I'd found something that wasn't necessarily about what I was going to buy. It was about something else that I didn't really realise I wanted or needed. And that's where the magic happens. So if you are putting recipes on your site, and even if you are, I don't know, maybe you're, you run cooking classes or cheese making classes, what else can you do around that area, around what your ideal customer's problems are that is not necessarily about recipes and cooking? So let's take, for instance, you create a cheese cooking, a cheese cooking, a vegan cheese making class. Um, you could do content around buying gifts for people. It might be that you are in some beautiful location. So here's five of the best coffee shops in that location. Here's some beautiful photographs. Here's some wildlife you can spot while you are out here making this amazing vegan cheese. You don't need to put the, the recipes on there. And this the same goes for all cookery classes, whether like online or offline. What could you say around the subject? Just because someone's coming to you for your food, for your cookery class, for your recipe, for um, the product that you're selling or the snack you're selling or whatever it is, doesn't mean that that's the only problem that they have. It doesn't mean it's the only question that they have. You need to, and I keep banging on about this in every single episode, you need to get to know that customer to understand what other questions and problems they have and create content around that because I guarantee you that if you are giving that as well as the recipes, as well as your product, you will build that trust much, much faster. So not all vegan and ethical businesses are food-based businesses and yet I still see them putting vegan recipes online. And if it works for you, great. But I would absolutely implore you to really think about other ways around this. What are the ways? Like, let's take, for example, you're a vegan coach, you coach businesses, or you coach people to maintain a healthy lifestyle, or you do some other sort of coaching. And it might be really sort of it might be really tempting to do, here's how you sustain your energy, eat this meal, and here's how you make it. But actually, if you talk about other things around um, energy, then that would be way easier. And remember, you don't need to make all your content about being vegan to be a vegan business, because not all of your audience will be on that part of their journey yet. And I spoke about this in last week's episode. So go and check that out if you haven't done already. But it's about looking at where someone is at their point in their journey and meeting them there. So sometimes 
creating vegan recipes isn't even hitting your audience where they need to. People come in from very much different entry points to each other and it's about making sure you're covering all of them. So I hope this episode has inspired you to maybe think more laterally, lateral thinking. I wasn't going to say the um, cliche word there. It's a lateral thinking around what content you could put out that isn't recipes. And if you need some help with this, go and check out my 30 days of vegan content. Um, The link is in the show notes. And I will catch up with you next week. Thank you so much for listening. And yep, I will see you next Thursday.